And welcome to the Bleacher Connection with Ken and Trevor, a part of the Unhinged Sports Network and a proud partner of Liz.ca. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or topics you want to hear, you can reach out to us on Twitter at TheBleacherCon1 and at TheBleacherCon2 or our Facebook page, The Bleacher Connection with Ken and Trevor. On this week's episode, Ken and I are going to dive into a little bit more hockey talk. And each of us are going to reveal who we think might be a dark horse team this in the upcoming year. Who who could surprise? And uh, counter to that, we're also going to go our fall from grace team. What perennial powerhouse is going to come crashing back down to earth? Uh, we're also going to do our weekly that's offside segment, and we're going to change gears a little bit, and uh, we're going to do some Blue Jays and MLB offseason talk. It's a little bit slow and developing, but there is a little bit of news trickling in, and. Ken and I figured this would be a good time to to talk some Blue Jays. You've got mail. Unsurprisingly, uh, from last week's episode about our Canadian Division Power Rankings, Ken and I got some feedback, and uh, we'd like to share some of that. The the first one comes from at jburch1984 on Twitter. Love the show, guys, but Leafs that far down the rankings is a deep reach. Yes, they got older, but in a shortened season, that could help them. I think they will finish first or second with Calgary. Hope you're right, though, Ken. As a huge Canucks fan, I hate the Leafs. Going on this, he's got two points here that I agree with. I hate the Leafs, too. So good point there, Jay Birch, 1984. And you know what, Ken? I got to call you out on the Leafs at 5-2. I think you're way off base on this. And... He's on to something. So I guess you got to react to this because you're off base on it, man. <laughs> well, I'm surprised there wasn't more. Honestly, I think from for my reasoning, though, when I reached out to, to, to Jamie on, on Twitter back and said, I don't think their additions are better than what they gave up. And what they let go. They, uh, they did get older. Some of the players they didn't resign or they traded away showed a lot of promise and could help them in the future because they are going to be in a position where I said they're in salary cap hell right now, where they have four guys tied up, tying up more than $40 million of an $80 million salary cap. After this season, they don't have a goaltender under contract that you could call a starter. That's a problem. So one of their top guys could get moved. Sheldon Keefe has already said, as I said last week, that some of these guys are going to have to play in different roles. So does that mean, because I don't, they have a lot of top talent. Don't dispute that part of it, but it's all at the top. They're not a well-balanced team, in my opinion. I don't think their defense got better. And if Frederick Anderson doesn't perform or gets hurt, they don't have someone who can step in and carry them in the year. Uh, I just don't feel that they're as balanced as they could or should be in a lot of other teams in the Canadian division. So that is why I did have them at fifth. They have the top end talent, but I just don't think it's going to work for them this season coming up. I stand by what I said. For those, uh, when we went off the air last week, I think my exact words to Ken are, are you on glue? The Leafs at five? <laughs> yeah, that, that's I the added, kind version of it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's the PG-13 version of what I actually said. We'll, uh, we'll save what I actually said for a different show. I just, I can't get on board with what, what you're saying there, Ken. It's, do I hate the Leafs? Yes. Do I understand they have a lot of talent? Absolutely. They're near the top of that division, if not the top, as that's where I had them at. I just... I don't know. And I think our, our next comment from uh, Tim in Calgary uh, might kind of follow up with that. Uh, he thinks that we should rename our podcast to The Clueless 2. 
He uh, he definitely didn't agree with us. Well, we didn't rank Boston in there. We've always said nice things about Boston, so I don't understand why you know Tim isn't on board with what we're talking about here. Uh, I mean, I did get we we both posted our our rankings under uh, another tweet. Uh, there was a sea of red on Twitter, and uh, I got more questions about Winnipeg being at number two than Toronto being at five. Um, I definitely took some heat for having the Habs at seven. There's people who've got them at two or three. Yeah, I don't, I'm sorry. I do not see that in the slightest. Yeah, so uh, I, I took some heat too. There, there's uh, some with fans my out rankings. there. Yeah, there's some fans out there wearing their Habs glasses for sure. They're not there, guys. Like, let's be honest. They're they're a step behind still. I love a lot of teams, especially in the Canadian division. It's shockingly, neither of us took much flack for actually both of us having Calgary very high in our rankings. And I, no. I thought we might actually, especially from our uh, listeners in the capital city of Edmonton or of, of Alberta. Yeah. No, I mean, what's there to argue though? The big thing that they suffered from last year was a lack of a tr- being honest, in my opinion, that I think a true number one, that isn't going to cost you games. There was big save. Dave was not big save. Dave. A lot of the times and Calgary ended up losing a lot of points because of that. Uh, Talbot stepped up. I was honestly surprised how Talbot performed last season, but with Markstrom, you're going to get more solid goaltending throughout the entire year. Everyone has off days. Markstrom doesn't have a lot of and yeah. facing fewer shots. I think he's probably going to knock that uh, bad game number down even more. So thank you to everybody who did reach out to us this week, especially on Twitter. Keep it up. We love to hear from you guys at the BleacherCon 1, at the BleacherCon 2. We're, we will reply to you, so feel free to reach out. So moving on, uh, we're going to go on to our weekly segment. Uh, that's Offside, brought to you by our partners at lids canada your online shopping resource for all your team apparel needs click the link in our facebook and twitter bios to check out all the hot savings for your holiday shopping needs ken this week i think we have a relatively controversial topic for that soft side and we're not going to dive too deep into it but we have to talk about it as hockey fans so why don't you lead us off here yeah so just this little this week here more came out about uh a lawsuit that is going forward from some former uh, CHL players. Uh, so there's some documents filed on Monday as part of a claim against the CHL that detailed a lot of allegations of systemic abuse suffered by players over decades. As Trevor said, we're not going to get into the details because some of the details are very graphic. Not good. Just really, really not good. Some of this stuff goes back to the, I think it was the 70s, 80s, all the way up until like I think 2010 or 2011 was the last time someone, one of the uh, players was from. And it goes towards hazing in junior hockey. And it's just unbelievable that this happens still happened then because some of it is quite horrible and a lot of these their kids a lot of these kids had their lives and which is more importantly had their lives ruined and messed with and on top of it secondary because you know hockey is not the be all end all but secondly had their careers potentially railroaded because they didn't want to put up with the abuse that was going on we just keep hearing more and more about this in hockey especially at the junior levels and the fact that it's not just the players doing it behind closed doors and the parents, or sorry, the uh, sometimes the billets or the coaches and the organization didn't know about it. They either participated as per the claim or were very well aware of it. And it's just disgusting that this is going on. You just brought up the point that disturbs me the most about it all. And a lot of these allegations are very perverse and, and sexual in nature. 
And the fact that the teams know it's going on, they and they turn a blind eye to it. They don't care. What is happening is illegal. And you are sheltering the perpetrators, not the victims. And it's disgusting that this is well known across hockey that this happens and everybody turns a blind eye to it. I think about some of the the insiders at the NHL level who claim to know so much about the the inner workings of hockey. And you're trying to tell me that these guys don't know about it and haven't said anything. It is a huge, huge problem. And it's not just hockey. I know this happens in every sports, but it's in the limelight in hockey right now, especially in, in Canada. And it's disgusting how everybody just turns a blind eye to it and pretends it doesn't happen. And they actually victim shame the the 16 and 17 year old boys that it's happening to. And like you said, Ken, it ruins their lives. A lot of these guys turn into alcoholics and drug abusers from this. And it, it, it's, oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And I think going back to when Akeem Alou brought forward some of the things that happened to him in junior, he mentioned how, when he brought it forward or refused to let them do that to him, he was labeled as a problem. And he was then, you know, the problem player and all this. And he got shipped out of his junior team. And, you know, he brought up other sports. I think I was back, uh, I'm getting the dates wrong. It's a while ago. I think it was in the 90s uh, or maybe early 2000s. It could have even been later, earlier than that, sorry. Uh, where the NCAA had a huge hazing problem. And yes. you don't hear about it as much anymore. Not saying that it doesn't happen, but you don't hear about it as much as you used to hear about it back then. So has the NCAA actually done a good job of eliminating hazing or, or have they just gotten better at hiding it? I was just uh, going to say, or, or are they hiding it better? Yeah. I want to believe they've eliminated it, but I'm and, skeptical at best. And to your point, I to say it doesn't happen in any other sport would be naive, but you just don't hear about it. And I, so why, because Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, they're all major sports organizations. Some of them aren't as big in Canada because we only have majority hockey and a NBA franchise. But why are we not hearing about it on ESPN or Fox Sports or anything else that these same type of allegations are coming up in these other major sporting leagues. Why is it always just coming out of hockey? Is hockey the problem? At some point, yeah, if you're not hearing about it, is it happening? Probably, but it just seems right now hockey's the problem. Yeah. Well, when I sent you the story earlier this week, your very first reaction to me was, and why are we hockey fans? Like, it, it's embarrassing to... Yeah. For us, for the local fan, it is embarrassing for us to have to deal with this in the sport that we love so much. And it is a black eye and it's really disappointing. And I applaud Daniel Carcillo and everybody else who brought this forward. Good on you. This needed to happen years ago. And it did sort of happen with Darren Fleury and uh, Sheldon Kennedy. And this is a continuation of that. And I, I hope that some of these people get what's coming to them. And they are so offside. It's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just wrong again. Like it, not to the same level, but it's still, I, I just read, I think I sent it to you before this too, that talking junior hockey and how hockey is the main thing, forget safety, forget everything else. There's a flight charter from Europe that's yeah. supposed to bring team Russia, team Sweden and team Finland to Edmonton today, but they're potentially talking about refusing to get on the flight because it's crowded. So yeah. if you really cared about these players 
and coaches safety. Why would you not just charter three flights so that they could be safe? No, you're going to cram three hockey organizations into a plane, close quarters in the middle of probably the worst part of the the pandemic so that they can play hockey. Come on. Like that's, that's just brutal. The almighty dollar trumps public safety and everybody knows it. And nobody, nobody really wants to admit it. Yeah. So two varying levels of offside out of junior hockey this week. But uh, yeah, for those reasons, junior hockey, you're offside. Okay. This week in Canada, we, uh, we announced our Lou Marsh Trophy Awards. And for those who, uh, who aren't familiar with it, it is kind of the athlete of the year. And for very good reason, we actually picked two of them this year. And Ken, I'm going to let you take off on this. Yeah, so this year, we, as Trevor just said, we had uh, co-winners, which we have had in the past. But it was Alfonso Davies, uh, Canadian superstar soccer player, and uh, Laurent Devarney Tardif, Kansas City Chief offensive lineman who decided to step back from the season as he has a medical degree to go and work at a long-term care facility and help out during the pandemic. And he was a starting offensive lineman. He wasn't you know, a guy just on the practice roster or the bench. He was a starter, big part of that team. He helped win the Super Bowl last year. And just for that that part, he was my pick when uh, there were some Me too. polls on Twitter about who you think should win. He was mine hands down. I thought he should have won the S- SI Sports Person of the Year as well. He was nominated, one of five nominated for that. And I just think that's such an awesome example of what it is to be a true inspirational leader. Like, this is a guy who stepped away, kind of hit pause on his professional career as an athlete to help out people in need. I just think that's completely, completely awesome. It doesn't yeah. get much better than that. And no, also, it, oh, sorry, definitely not. Definitely not. Like, he forego millions of dollars in his own money to fight a pandemic. Like, it does not get better than that. And he should be applauded by everybody. He he already is. Like, they're, we're not telling anybody anything they don't already know. But it, I think it's important that we bring recognition to him and, and good on him. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Alfonso Davies, he's, uh, he's a, a local kid from, grew up in Edmonton here. And as a kid, because he is still young. I don't even know if he's 20 yet. But he started off with the Vancouver Whitecaps in the MLS. And you could tell from day one, I think as a 15, 16-year-old, this guy was going to be a star. And he spent a couple seasons in Vancouver. And continue to show how good he is. Just incredible. And he got uh, picked up by Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga. And he is tearing it up there. He was their Rookie of the Year. Uh, he helped helped them win the Champions League. He is just incredible. And he's not out of place on the big stage over in Europe playing soccer. So uh, definitely another deserving winner. And it's nice to see Soccer Canada getting some recognition on the big stage internationally. So hopefully one day that'll turn into a World Cup berth. Absolutely. I'm not a big soccer guy at all. And there were times when I'd be I'd be flipping through the guide on, on TV and I'd see that there was a Whitecaps game on and I had to turn it on because Alfonso Davies was can't miss entertainment and it was worth it he was it's exciting for in my opinion a sports that that is otherwise not so much he made it exciting and he had a non-soccer fan tuning into white caps games and it was worth it it was fun the guy's great and like you just said he's now tearing it up overseas so impressive for a young man absolutely do you guys agree with the with the lou marsh trophy award picks was there anybody that was missed 
you know, let us know on Twitter at the BleacherCon one at the BleacherCon two. We'd love to discuss it with you. I don't think you can really say either of these picks were off base, but was there anybody else there should have been? Reach out to us. All right, so we're gonna go on and talk about our uh, surprise team out of the NHL this year. Who we think uh, is gonna kind of step up, take their spot at the top. So, Trevor, who do you who do you have as that the, that surprise team? Well, when I initially looked at it, there really only was a couple of teams, in my opinion, that I thought even qualified for this. Those two teams were the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers. There may have been a couple others. I actually had originally thought maybe the San Jose Sharks might have a bounce back season. The Calgary Flames potentially could have a bounce back season. But at the end of the day, I had to go with the New York Rangers. Much like the Oilers of recent times, the draft lottery has been kind to the Rangers. In recent years, gifting them top young talents, Capo Caco and Alex Alex Lafreniere. In years, they weren't even supposed to be in the top five picking in the draft. Um, I know there's some vocal media members on Sportsnet in Canada, uh, Brian Burke included, who are uh, not happy with the way that the Rangers have more or less been able to luck their way through a rebuild. And I, I can't necessarily say I disagree with it, but at the end of the day, here they are. Uh, the Rangers are built to play in today's NHL with youth, speed, and talent to burn. Their strengths, to me, the obvious strength in this team is the speed and talent. Artemi Panarin is an all-world player and has turned Mika Zibanejad into an all-world sniper. Uh, the addition of Lafreniere will only give this talent a boost, and Capocacco should only improve over what was a somewhat disappointing rookie year, but I, I don't anticipate that's going to last a guy with his skill set, it's only a matter of time before he breaks out. Uh, a second strength of this team is the depth of their blue line. Uh, Jacob Truba, Adam Fox, and the very outspoken Tony D'Angelo provide a sneaky good top end of this decor, and it's rounded out well with the mix of Ryan Lindgren, Brendan Smith, Anthony Potato, and Jack Johnson, who has a major chip on his shoulder after being bought out by the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think he could be a sneaky veteran addition to that back end to go with those young young guys like Fox and D'Angelo. To me, the biggest strength of this team may be in goal as it sports two hotshot youngsters in Alexander Gorgiev and my breakout goalie from last week's episode, Igor Shersterkin. Uh, the only question mark is, can these guys perform without the mentorship of Henrik Lundqvist? I think with the two of them pushing each other, they very well will. Uh, both of them posted great numbers last year in their limited amount of time playing, and I just expect that to continue. I think the Rangers play in one of the hardest divisions in hockey, or are going to this year, and I actually think that's going to help them. It's going to be some trial by fire for these young guys that is going to make them grow rapidly, because if they don't, they're going to get left in the dust. Playing alongside of the best talent in the NHL every night and against it in that division is only going to make these younger these youngsters grow faster, in my opinion. The major question mark I do have is leadership on this team. Uh, they're going into the first season without Kevin Hayes and Henrik Lundqvist, but I do think that the youthful exuberance of the Rangers is going to offset that lack of leadership. And it could be a chance for guys like Artemi Panarin, Jacob Truba to say, this is my team. If not this year, the next year, the Rangers are going to become a perennial powerhouse in the league. And I'm thinking it's this year. Yeah, they were on my on my radar for this as well. I, and you brought up the San Jose Sharks. I looked at them. And I just don't think that they've done enough, even with bringing in Dubnik. Uh, he lost the crease in, in Minnesota. So, yeah. And Martin Jones 
I mean, Dubnik is there because Martin Jones isn't performing. So yeah. I they they didn't do it for me. The Rangers will kind of they're not my team. They were like I said, they, I agree. There was only a couple to really kind of pick from, but uh, their goaltending it is going to be good. I just that was the question mark for me that kind of didn't put them over the top because as you mentioned, without Lundqvist there, how are they going to perform? I've seen it where we've had like in Vancouver with the Canucks, they've had some good young goalies under the mentorship of Luongo or whoever it was in the past. But when they get that time to shine as their own, can they carry the torch without having that, you know, being under the wing of such a, a superstar solidified goaltender? That's a number one. But Zabinijad, Panarin, those guys are, are going to be good and they're only going to get better, especially with the young talent. Capocacco, uh, you brought up that it wasn't a great year in his rookie year. That rookie class last year at the top of the the draft didn't have a great one all no, around. So not at all. You can only hope he gets better because you don't want to see a progression of either staying where it is or getting uh, worse. But yeah. yeah, Rangers do have a, a good opportunity to definitely step into that uh, limelight in the, in the East if we ever get back to West-East conferences. I want to go back to the goalies for a second. And the reason I was I overlooked it was the fact that there was two of them. And I think the two of them are going to push each other and become almost mentors to each other. Now, I'm not trying to undermine Lundquist at all in this situation. I, I think there's a huge void there that they are going to miss. But as you're going to – I'm actually kind of bring up a very similar point when I talk about my fall from grace team. Because there's not two of them on that team, to me it's an issue. In this scenario, I think – Shesterkin and, and, and Gorgiev are going to push each other. And if one of them isn't playing well, then you got to believe the other one is going to be. So I would, I was able to look, look past Lundqvist not being there and get over that. These guys are going to be a breakout team. I think mostly because of those two. And then obviously, you know, Lafreniere and Kako are, are only going to make that team better. So. Yeah. You got two young goaltenders pushing to take the crease from one one another. So how do you really go wrong? Who did you have? Is your breakout team, Ken? Well, you kind of already uh, mentioned that they were one of the two that you were looking at, and that's the Carolina Hurricanes. Honestly, for breakout teams, it came down to the East, Eastern teams, not really out of the West. I don't think there's too many teams that are going to make jumps that are significant enough overall. Uh, Carolina last year had 81 points. They were sixth in the East, so kind of a higher middle range in the standings. They're, I don't know if a lot of people would look at them as necessarily a huge surprise team, but I think that they could become a top team in that, you know, we almost call it old-school Eastern Conference setting. The, the Carolina Hurricanes, they had no big subtractions from their team. Yeah. They didn't – they brought in a few guys here there to accent what they already had. But their group of young talent at forward in Aho, Niederreiter, uh, Svechnikov, Teravainen, and Trocek, those are some solid forwards. And, and you can put them throughout your top nine forwards, and you got three solid lines that can do damage. They're just so offensively stacked up front, and it's not on one or two lines like the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, five <laughs> in the Canadian division. <laughs> The Carolina Hurricanes are a stacked team at forward, and they're, they're only going to get better because they're a young group 
that just continues to grow. On defense, that's another solid group. You've got Hamilton, Brady Shea, Jacob Slavin. So you got if you pair them with someone else, you've got three guys. Your three pairings are solid. You've got a stud on each one of them. And how do you go wrong with that? Yeah. Right? Like you've essentially got 1A, 1B, 1C if you split them up and put them on three pairings. You know, you got three guys that can run a power play. So I, how do you go wrong with that? Peter Morazic and James Reimer, that's a solid duo in net. Um, I would question that a little bit. Oh, yeah? In what, yeah, like, I'm, I'm not sold on Morazic and, and Reimer. They're, they are – this is one of the reasons why I picked the Rangers over the Hurricanes was they're not they're, – they're goalies. They're not flashy. They're not – like, they get the job done, but they're not going to steal you points. They, they're like – I guess all you need from them is to play okay, but I don't know. They're, they're okay between the pipes. But I think in the sense of you look at the team in front of them, they don't need to be stellar. And I fully agree with that. So with the team in front of them, Mrazek and Reimer don't need to stand on their head night after night. It's and not, I would agree with you on that. It's not a young rookie uh, defense core in front of them. They're not going to need to steal games. Like other teams that have some good offensive talent at forward, but their defense is lacking or right, they just – this is a team that doesn't need to have a superstar in net to win them games. So for me, that's why I didn't think of that. Like I, I said, they're solid because I do think they are. Reimer has definitely gotten better since he's left Toronto yeah. and Florida, but Peter, and Peter Mrazek is not a uh, dud of a goaltender either. So no, nope, no, nope. it, it's not a, it's not a, they're not flashy. They don't need to be with this team because the, the rest of the team is structured that it's a team game. Yeah. Well, and you, you hit on their defense, and it sneakily might be the best defense core in the league. They've they've let guys like Justin Falk walk off of this defense core because they're so uh, uh, secure with some of these youngsters that uh, that they have. You know, Brett Pesci, Hayden Fleury, uh, Jacob Slavin looks like an absolute stud in in his early years, and they've let some good players leave that back end, and I don't think they've suffered one bit. So uh, Dougie Hamilton, I got a very first-hand look at him in Calgary for a few seasons. And though he, some nights he leaves you wanting more, he ends up giving you more and you didn't even realize it when he's putting up, you know, 50, 60 points a season. And he's just, he's a sneaky good player that can skate like the wind. And, and he's really flourished since getting down there and not being in the limelight near as much. And, yeah, like uh, you mentioned Jacob Slavin. I remember a couple of years ago, I picked him up in our hockey pool and you questioned why. And then that night he had a hat trick and got me about 12 points <laughs> and helped my uh, build my lead. But the Carolina Hurricanes let Joel Edmondson go. To, yeah, Edmondson, uh, yep. And that, and that was their return for Falk. So you traded a big piece of your defense in Justin Falk for Joel Edmondson and then you let him go. Yeah. So – Right, like that was that just a okay? We're gonna get rid of Falk for the cap removal. We're gonna bring Edmondson in, and well, do we really need him? And not saying he's a bad player, but what they already had, he he kind of became expendable. And I can't believe I'm saying that a defense core that features Jake Gardner on it may be one of the best in the leagues. Uh, I'm sure many Leaf fans would uh, not agree with that statement, but it, <laughs> it's just a deep team. It, it really is. 
in my opinion, they may be lacking one top end scorer, but that again, I'm just, I'm splitting hairs here. Like Sebastian Ajo is in my opinion, the next superstar. If he isn't already, the guy is, is just dynamic. And again, I bring it back to our hockey pool. I questioned you one time for <laughs> picking him up too. And he went and lit it up that night. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, maybe I should watch the hurricanes a little closer. You should follow how I draft. You might do better. <laughs> so I, I can't disagree with really anything you're saying here, Ken. Uh, to me, the Rangers and the Hurricanes are the obvious choices for breakout teams. And you said it before, the Western Conference, I didn't even look at the West. There just was nobody there that stood out at all. So no. I, I think you were bang on there. In the West, the teams, the teams are the teams. You know what they're going to bring to the table. and We're now going to move on to our teams. Let's call it the fall from grace teams. And these are teams that have perennially been, I guess you could call them powerhouses in the past, but we think their time's up. And they're going to they're gonna fall back to earth in spectacular fashion, let's say. There, there may be some fireworks at the end of this. So, Ken, who did you pick as your fall from grace team? So, my fall from grace team is the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, I will say, as a Canuck fan, I have a lot of dislike for the Blackhawks. But when I do these lists, when I look at these players, I try, I do go into it objectively and look at it that way. So, this is not just a Canucks fan, you know, taking a shot at Chicago. This is, I, I, I just want to throw it out there because, you know, I'm not a Boston fan, but I've given them props for. For how they are but for me this is the year that the chicago blackhawks drop in the standings and join the california trio at the bottom this is a team that they traded away brandon sod for zadorov so that's the only significant move that they made they took a, a decent piece from their forwards and they put a decent piece on defense so i don't see that's really making them a lot of a better team they have four superstars on a team that take up a lot of cap hit that are, you know, Kane is still Kane. Kane's going to get points, but Taves isn't a big point guy. Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, they're getting old. Seabrook can't stay in the lineup. He's injured. They were trying to get rid of him the last couple of years. They can't. So they're stuck. They can't do a lot to bring in any replacements or better players because they don't have the money to do it. Corey Crawford's gone and they are left with Malcolm Subban and net. Oh, I didn't even think of that. That you brought up a really good point right there. That is All right. So he wasn't able to take the net in Boston. He wasn't able to take the net in Vegas. Boston didn't even protect nope. him at any point. Then he got picked up by Vegas, and Vegas dealt him for Robin Leonard. So right now, Subban's Vegas claim to fame is he was taken an expansion draft and traded for Robin Leonard. Vegas is new, should be number one goaltender. Maybe this is his time to shine. I don't think he's had enough experience to be a number one goaltender. And the backups behind him, I couldn't even tell you who they are. I I, I don't know. I got the guys, Colin Delia is listed as the backup, maybe even the starter. I don't even know who this guy is. So you brought up a, a great Rancho point. Cucamonga. What's that? Yeah. Colin Delia, he's the one from Rancho Cucamonga, yeah. <laughs> California. Yeah, I thought that was just a made-up place. Sorry for the people that live there. I uh, take that back. So that's like that's the big thing is they didn't get any better. They got yeah. worse. 
their goaltending, I think, is going to be very, very subtle. Very. And to get peace in place, the teams aren't going to be like, okay, we'll take your first overall pick because you're going to be horrible. No, they're going to say, oh, you want a goaltender that's starter caliber? Okay, we want your first and we want Taves Kane, one of those two. Their teams are going to hold them over the coals to get that piece that Chicago needs to get yeah. up. So other part of it is it's not just a decline in some of the players they have and not having any goaltending. Your four main guys are disgruntled. They are yes. not happy. They are vocal. Jonathan Taves does not speak out. He does not talk to reporters <clears throat> about things that go on in the locker room or even in NHL PA negotiations. He does not speak out about that. He spoke out about the lack of moves and improvement to this team very vocally to the media. So that should tell a lot of how upset these players are. Yeah, it, I can't argue that point. I was actually just about to make that point before you did that you've got your best players questioning whether they really want to be on this team anymore. How do the youngsters like to bring it and Kirby Doc look at that and go, wow, the best players on my team don't even want to be here. That's not mentorship. That's not leadership. And does that have a negative effect on uh, Kubalik and Deprinket, who who were great last year? But now all of a sudden, it's like your line mates don't want to be here. Your yeah. goaltending is brutal. Your defense core is it looks more like a hospital ward with the injuries, and it's. I, you're saying they're falling from grace. I thought they may have already fallen from grace last year, but to be honest, if they finished last in the league, I would not be surprised. Like yeah, the, this, is the, this is the season that cements their fall. Cause you're right. They, they barely, I think they were four points away from making the playoffs or not. If I forget which California team was just below them by three points, but that all it would have taken was two wins, I think, by the Ducks, and they wouldn't have made the playoffs. Yeah. So they are they are already down there, but I think this is when people are going to stop looking at them as a powerhouse team because they no longer are, in my opinion. You mean they won't get to play in every other outdoor winter classic? I didn't say that. I did not say that uh, the marketability of that team is still something, but yes, the, the talent is not. Yeah. I can't, I can't argue with you picking the Blackhawks They're They were right there on my list as well. I went a little bit of a different direction on my list and my team that's going to fall from grace this year is the Pittsburgh Penguins. To me, they have a few question marks that I'm going to uh, hit on here. The health of Chris Letang, their defensive depth, their goaltending, father time, and the division realignment. The Penguins lost a few decent NHLers in uh, Dominic Simone, Matt Murray, Connor Sheary, and I guess I'll put Jack Johnson in there, though they chose to buy him out. And they, they replaced him with Kasperi Kaplan, which is okay, and Mark Jankowski, who, as a Flames fan, trust me, he he's not he's not great. He's he's a fourth line at best. So to me, they didn't really fill any holes. They actually got more holes. Their blue line, the defensive depth, you've got Chris Letang. Well, can Chris Letang stay in the lineup? The guy every other year misses chunks of time. And they don't have the depth on that blue line to 
to get by with that. In years previous, they had Justin Schultz. Uh, they don't have that this year. They've got Latang, Brian Dumoulin, Cody Cece, Chad Ruedel, Marcus Pedersen. Like, I'm sorry, how many of those guys are household names? Cody yeah. Cece is because Toronto couldn't wait to run him out of town. Other than that, like they, their defensive depth is is terrible, and put that on top of Chris Latang struggling to stay in the lineup, that could be a recipe for disaster. Now, now don't get me wrong, Latang when he's in the lineup is an absolute offensive stud, but I just don't know that he's going to be there. And, and he's turning 34 this year. Uh, goaltending. Last year, Tristan Jari had Matt Murray to rely on. He doesn't have a capable 1B backup this year. Can he handle the workload of a starter? He's never played more than 33 games in a season. And I'm sorry, Casey DeSmith is not Matt Murray. Jari has good numbers, he had a 243 goals against and a 921 save percentage last year, but that was in a platoon situation. He's the outright starter now. He doesn't have that reliable 1B option to have his back when he struggles. So yeah, that's a major question mark to me. Tristan Jari may very well be an absolute stud, but I, I'm skeptical on it. Uh, the division realignment. The Pens are supposedly playing in a division, which I think is the toughest division in hockey, that could have the Bruins, Sabres, Devils, Islanders, Rangers, Flyers, and Capitals in it. An argument to me could be made that they're the fifth or sixth best team in that division, let alone they're used to being near the top of the division. I think they're going to be near the bottom of that division. The Bruins, the Rangers, the Flyers, the Capitals, I think are all better than them. And I think the Islanders are too. So they're just by playing who they're going to have to play every night are going to face a harsh reality. And of course, the big one to me, father time. I'm sorry, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, they're all on the wrong side of 30, getting close to 35. Can they stay healthy in a condensed season? And can they stay fresh? There could be some track meet games in the, in the division with like the Rangers, Caps, Flyers, and Sabres. And are the Sabres, are the, Penn's going to be able to keep up to those teams because Barry Kapanen was brought in to provide some youth and speed, but I don't think it's enough. You know, every year this core gets older and further removed from the dominant championship teams. And is this the year that they fall off the cliff? I think so. Yeah. There's not a lot to uh, kind of go against there or say that you're wrong. Yeah. You can't rely on Crosby and Malkin to do all the scoring and, and keep them. But yeah, no, the Penguins are a a definite question mark of how they're going to do. So I don't disagree that they are uh, potentially on the, the downward slide from grace. Now, to be fair, any team that features Crosby and Malkin could very easily win this division. But I, I just think there's a lot of other factors. They're not as deep as they've been in years past. And we've seen it the last couple of seasons. And, and Crosby and Malkin can only carry this team for so long. And is this yeah. the year that it finally becomes too much? Was it fair to say they're they're an older uh, McDavid Drysital? Uh, absolutely, that is one hundred percent the the same comparison I made. Yeah. You know, at, at least Crosby and Malkin have won their cups, but yeah. you know, much like your team, Kane and Taves, who who have won their cups, they're going to pay the price for that here very soon. And if not this year, the next year, it's it's going to happen. And it, it already has happened with the Blackhawks. Absolutely. Well, let us know what you guys think. Do you agree with our choices for breakout and fall from grace teams? Reach out on our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection with Ken and Trevor. 
and on Twitter at the BleacherCon1 and at the BleacherCon2. We'd love to hear from you. All right. So changing gears, we're going to talk a little Blue Jays now, uh, just because the winter meetings just happened. And usually that's a, uh, a source of movement in trades and signings and, and all that fun stuff you like in a free agent period in any sport. Uh, unfortunately, it's very quiet, not just for the Jays, but for every team. Uh, really, honestly, kind of just on a general part first, Trevor, I am honestly just baffled as to how little movement there has been since the opening of free agency in baseball. Yeah, I think none of the big players have moved. Very, yeah. Would we see James McCann finally? And I, I guess yeah. that's a big move. Like it, it's none of the, uh, it's not the big fans for traded. sure. Yeah, Lance Lynn got yeah. traded, but there definitely hasn't been much happen yet. <laughs> lots no, of uh, lots of talk of it, but nothing oh, yet. Yeah. yeah, everyone's going everywhere, and no one's gone anywhere. So it uh, it's very pandemic esque, where you talk about all the movement you want to do, but you're stuck where you are. So I guess the first thing, like Mark Shapiro made some comments uh, on Friday that he said the Blue Jays could end up with two elite players or four very good players. What is your thoughts on that? Because as Jays fans. We know what the track record is in the offseason. I am skeptically optimistic in that statement. Now, I know the baseball insiders have every player under the sun linked to the Toronto Blue Jays, whether it be Trevor Bauer or DJ LeMayhew or George Springer or everybody. Let's face it. We never get any of these guys because this is the same same song and dance we heard last offseason and the offseason before. And I think last year with Hunjin Ryu was actually the first time we may have actually landed one of these big fish. Yeah, and, yeah I believe that was a surprise for both of us that it did actually happen. And I would be I'm skeptically optimistic that, yes, I do think we are going to make some ads Four good players, I question that. Two elite players, I don't know. Like, I could see maybe one elite or two good players, but double yeah. that? No, I just don't see it. Love the optimism. <clears throat> I'm not going to want to be Mark Shapiro when he has to walk that statement back. Yes. Uh, the optimism is great. The believability of it, not so much. There's been nothing to make that statement true right now because two of the biggest Jays potential signings, Trevor Bauer and George Springer, are now heavily linked to the Mets. Yeah. Both of them, not one or the other, both of them. So now that's two of your main targets that are, you know, heavily on the Jays radar are now linked to another team. Luckily, it's not the New York team that is in your divisional rival. Finally, it's not that case. Usually when we're linked to a player, they end up in Boston or New York with the Yankees. Yeah. And then you need to face them so many times in a year and see what you're missing out on. I think you brought up a good point there though, in Boston, because that team's not going to idly sit by and accept finishing last in the AL East. If you don't think they're going to open their pocketbook this off season, you're you're, you're blind to, to what happened last year. Yeah. They, they let Mookie Betts walk. Oh, and in what may have been the worst trade in major in in baseball history. Yeah, why? I have no clue. Like, who else would you have given the money to on that team? Like Jackie Bradley's good, but no offense, he's no Mookie Betts. So that was just a horrible move. 
Horrible. Hands down, horrible move. I know uh, some Red Sox fans, and, and trust me, they uh, they hear about it regularly. Yeah. And uh, as he was hoisting the championship trophy, I was just like, who would ever give up on the best player in <laughs> baseball? Like, yeah, this was eight years ago as a you know potential prospect or things like that. You knew what you had in Mookie Betts. But that team's not going to sit on their wallet, and they're not no. going to accept finishing fifth in the AL East. No, and, and this is kind of the same old story for us as Jays fans in that uh, all the top guys that we're linked to in signing and, and, and such or even in trades – all end up somewhere else. James McCann was another one that you and I talked about we'd like to see at as a catcher. And before I get into some of the interviews, I actually found it quite funny that yes. on Twitter, when McCann signed, there were some Jays fans who were saying, good, we didn't need him anyways. We got Alejandro Kirk. We got Danny Jansen. And I'm like, not to say that they're not good players, but the sample size we got from Alejandro Kirk is not enough to say that we're good. And, but he makes Vladdy Guerrero look like he's in shape. Yeah, like that's you need these guys. They got to get these guys in line with a you know, you're a professional athlete. Let's maybe work out a bit, you know, get that going. Is there promise there? Sure, but he came from what double A or single A ball up to yeah. the bigs, and okay, great. So we put a handful of games together. You can't make that statement on Kirk yet. Yeah. Danny Jansen. Defensively, I have some issues with him. He's not horrible. At the plate, his batting average and his production is nowhere near what you expect and need out of a professional everyday catcher. Yeah, You, you need a guy that can hit. You need one through nine to be able to come up and not be an automatic out. Unfortunately, that's what our catchers are right now. So losing out on McCann at four years, $40 million, that's a loss. That is a loss for the Jays, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That's that's a very affordable contract for an, an actual backcatcher. Like, that's the only way we can put it. Like, McCann is a real catcher, not kind of what we have now. We're two guys that are more suited probably for AAA. Yeah. We do have an abundance of catching prospects that are viewed as – highly touted so you can move them in a trade to get someone else if you can't sign someone because i don't know that you're going to want to spend the money on real muto to bring him in but kind of getting back to the signings and everything it's the same old story for us as jays fans we keep seeing the guys that they're targeting go elsewhere lance lynn we talked about how he just got traded from texas to the white Sox. he was another target that was the they talked about the jays being linked to Again, he's gone. Luckily, not to a rival, but that's that option is off the board now, right? So we're going to have to wait and see. One promising uh, piece of news, I guess you could put it, was the, the story came out this morning that DJ LeMayhew and the New York Yankees are almost $25 million apart in contract talks. And to hear the Yankees even remotely involved in a conversation of financial hardship – kind of actually brought a smile to my face. I hate to say it, but is astounding is beyond belief. And to me, that's only good news as a Jays fan that one of the perennial big spenders in your division, uh, maybe tightening the purse straps and 
could J, TJ LeMayhew, in my opinion, would be a perfect fit. And we've heard Shapiro and Atkins say the same thing about him with, in response to the Blue Jays rumors. So I'm going to be cautiously optimistic about DJ LeMayhew as opposed to skeptic, skeptically optimistic. Well, here's another name we've talked about. Are they tightening the, the, the purse strings now so that they can go after Lindor next season? <clears throat> very, very possible. Because would you rather spend the money on LeMayhew or Lindor? Yeah. I'm, I'm going with Lindor. Yeah. I, I well, Lindor's, Lindor's another name linked to the Blue Jays heavily. And I think more of that might be coming from the Cleveland side of things because they really want Gurriel Jr. But what do you think of that possibility of moving Gurriel Jr. for for Lindor? If it is a type of situation where it's a sign or trade and sign, yes. One year rental where you're not sure if you're going to get him. If you're going to have 162 games of well, we hope we can sign him to know. Like, he's a great player and absolutely would love to have him on the Jays, but don't want to give up on Gurriel Jr. for one year of Lindor. I don't yeah. think that's worth it. Gurriel Jr. is not at that level of player, but in the long run, you're going to have him around for longer. He's going to get better. He's going to you know grow with the team. Yeah. If you can guarantee a contract out of Lindor, do it. Absolutely. Don't even second guess it. I'm... I'm, I question whether you'd want to move Gurriel. Shockingly, he won a gold glove this year. Um, our, our defense in the outfield is marginal at best, and you're going to go and potentially get rid of the best outfielder the Blue Jays have. That, that really scares me. Um, I think Gurriel, you can get him signed to a longer-term deal at a lower dollar which I think is beneficial because there's, let's face it, there's going to be some tough tough decisions in Blue Jays land on some of these youngsters when it comes to contracts. So if you can potentially get one of them actually signed up long-term, I'm all for that. I think the offensive uh, capabilities of Gurriel Jr. are close to that of Lindor. Lindor does play a premium position. I'll, I'll give that. And if you, you know, to have Bichette at second and Lindor at, at third at short, to me, sure, uh, sign me up, but at what cost, at what expense? So I think the conversation gets easier if you sign a guy like Springer, Michael Brantley, one of these other yes. outfield free agents. If you can make that happen, uh, the conversation gets a lot easier. Um, yeah. Because you're bringing someone in who's a veteran, a potential upgrade over Gurriel in the now as opposed to yep. the future. Yep. So I think if you, if you, and if they're willing to spend, that may happen. You may get a Springer on a big deal and you may trade Gurriel and sign Lindor to a big deal as well. If they're well, willing I think to you spend, just, let's, let's do it. You just brought up a great point. When was the last time we actually heard Blue Jays management say, yeah, we're spending money. Well, we I, always yeah. hear the, the fiscally responsible BS talk. Yeah. You know, come on guys. Like your, your ownership is the biggest cable outlet in Canada with one of the biggest pocketbooks in Canada. Give up on the fiscally responsible talk. I want to watch superstars play baseball. Open the purse strings for crying out loud. Yeah, uh, it's nice that they said it. Let's actually see it now. That's the part. They can say it. Yes. So let's see it because we haven't seen it yet, but that's with everyone. So I don't know what's holding it up. We haven't really, I haven't seen anything to say this is why 
no one's i actually had to double check that free agency had even opened because such little movement has gone on since it started that is just like is this even open like are we waiting is this just like oh we have a deal in place but we can't actually sign until december 23rd just as a random date right and i'm like no it opened up at the end of october like okay we're sitting on our wallets for a little bit here across league wide what do you think about the the jay's interest in Young kim i'm sorry if i said that completely wrong he's a star infielder from korea if they are able to sign him is that and i would say he's the only signing is that enough to help improve the team? I think it would definitely be an upgrade. I'm always a little a little unsure of the the, the Korean talents and the Japanese talents coming over because there's just an unknown. You're not as familiar with these guys. But if he's a solid defender, then I'm all in because that is one of our, our glaring weaknesses on the team is actual – good defenders, especially in in premier infield positions. So if if he were to provide that, would it be, would I be excited? Absolutely. And do I hope they bring in a guy, bring him in? Yes. But am I going to sit here and tell you, I know everything about him? Absolutely not. Yeah, no, I think uh, I've seen a few things on Twitter where they were talking about how Ryu's gone and kind of talked him up a little bit about Toronto and might be trying to court him a a little bit. But yeah, I just, Again, I don't know. I don't watch. We don't get a lot of the the league over here to be able to watch the international leagues in Japan or Korea. Yeah, I mean, it would be great if he comes over and can do what's made him a star over there. Awesome. I just, I'd like to see the Jays start to do something. Yeah. We've been waiting. We've been hearing how they want to spend, how Atkins or, or Shapiro are in constant talks with weekly talks with Springer's camp who also represents a, a slew of other top free agent players at, at the pitching position at the outfield, the infield, everything. This, this uh, representation team has a lot of stars. Let's start getting something together and putting pen to paper because clearly no one's offering up enough yet. Just make the offer that needs to get done. I, uh, I question the fact that they're choosing to go after positional players ahead of starting pitchers. Um, I honestly think they should be throwing those financial resources at the top starters in the market. Cause to me, solid starting pitching and dominant starting pitching can offset a lot of deficiencies in your lineup. Look at the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. Like, do they have the greatest lineup ever? No, they don't. They have tremendous pitching and solid defense. So, why don't you target tremendous pitching and then solid defense before some of these other guys? It just, that's my own personal take. Uh, I believe they should be going after the top flight starters before anybody else. Well, hands down, the, the Jays pitching has to get better at the starting rotation. Right now, we're looking at Ryu and Ray. <laughs> that's one and a half wins, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> They've got a lot of young talent coming up in that position, but uh, I don't know that they're 162 game ready yet. Yeah, uh, Pearson and the others—they they'll get there, but we just need to we need to bring in some veterans to surround them and make it easier for them. Yeah, some elite pitchers is priority one. So make it happen. 
Rogers, do it now. Yeah. Well, Jays fans, what do you think? Do you agree with us? Reach out to us on Twitter at the BleacherCon1, at the BleacherCon2, or on our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection with Ken and Trevor. What do you want to see? Who's your top your top priority? Who'd look great in those baby blue Blue Jays jerseys? Let us know. Yeah, it's going to be a fun offseason, I think, once the ball gets rolling, but... Yeah, there's a lot out there, and the Jays can definitely improve. All right, we want to thank everyone for listening in on the Unhinged Sports Network. We had a fun time doing these lists and going over who who we thought was going to surprise and who was going to fall from grace. And uh, definitely it was a good week for, for Canadian athletes with the Lou Marsh Awards. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in this, in this week, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Thanks, everyone.